This morning, I want to uh, share with you just a little bit more in uh, this whole journey of the words of Jesus to his disciples to come follow me. And um, we'll just sort of unpack that just a little bit more over the next uh, few weeks. But today, if, if you have your Bible with you, I want you to get it ready or you've got your Bible app ready you can open it up and get it ready at Luke chapter 5. And that reminds me, um, and uh, my daughter helped me understand this the other day. She, um, she was talking about during offerings, when she brings her offering on a Sunday, um, she said, oh, Dad, just when offerings are on, I just open my phone up and I just go straight to my bank account and I make a direct deposit to the church bank account while the offering's being taken up. And I went, oh, Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. I should actually, you know, we do have it on the back of the notices there, the account details and stuff, but we should pop it up on the screen. But anyway, that's how Caitlin does it. And I'm like, that makes sense. Very simple, very easy and very efficient, really, isn't it? So technology is a wonderful thing. So um, I just wanted to um, make that sort of reminder that it's very easy to make, bring your offerings these days. But one of the things I want to talk about this morning in following Jesus is um, how when we meet Christ, there's, there's a personal revelation that takes place. There's an encounter that takes place between Jesus and you or me. And um, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning because there's a bunch of things that take place when that happens. Um, so I'm going to just go straight to this scripture because I want to... Um, um, sort of preface everything off this this morning. Um, if you've got your Bible, open up whatever version you prefer. We've got a number of different versions here. But grab whatever version you prefer. Um, I'm uh, reading from the NIV. So this is an encounter that Jesus has with um, his disciples in the calling process. Um, and uh, it went like this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats and they were left there by fishermen uh, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. So you can picture the scene there. Obviously Jesus is trying to do some teaching with a crowd of people. It's getting a little squeezy. Uh, so he's getting pressed up against the waterline, and so he makes himself a little bit more breathing room, gets into these boats. Clever, very sensible. Um, so then he sits down to teach them from the boat. And um, that's interesting that the Scriptures use that and even make an observation of that, the fact that Jesus sat down to teach. Um, because in the context of, of Jesus' time, that when a teacher or a master or a, um, uh, well, basically a, a, a rabbi would teach, they would teach from the sitting position. They would sit down. They wouldn't stand up. They would sit down. And so they would teach sitting down. So he takes the position of a spiritual rabbi and teacher and he sits down. Even his actions are trying to tell people a message. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say, I will let down my nets. Now, this is the first time that Simon has engaged with Jesus. They're not best buds, they're complete strangers here. And it's interesting that within the course of however long it was that Jesus was sitting in his boat doing some teaching, there was to the crowd, as, as, as Simon Peter's there watching this, obviously there's a conversation going on inside Simon Peter's heart and mind. He's like, who is this guy? How is it that he can be having such authority and effect on so many people's lives? And then Jesus says, hey, Simon Peter, put out for a catch. It's time to go fishing. And look at the first word that Jesus, uh, Peter uses to refer to Jesus. 
he calls him master. Master. Now, you don't call someone master, which is an elevated place of authority, unless there is something about them that inspires you to do so. Because what he's doing, Simon Peter here, is giving Jesus and acknowledging Jesus has a place of authority in his life and he's never had a conversation with him. Never. Just purely by observing Jesus, Peter is coming into a revelation of who Jesus is and the place that Peter gives Jesus is the place of Master, which means Lord, which means you have got the goods on how to do life. Just from my, let's say it was a 40-minute teaching that Jesus did from the boat. It could have been four hours, I don't know, but anywhere in between. But somehow in, in Simon Peter watching that, he's gone, this, this is the master of life and I am going to give him that place in my life to teach me. Now, here's Jesus' request put out into the deep for a catch. And he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down my nets. Now, there's a bit of a battle of the who's who in the zoo in that statement. There's a little bit of the, listen, mate, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. The reason why we're washing our nets is because we've been at this all night, We've caught zip, and I don't really need you to tell me when to fish. There's a bit of that going on. But at the same time, obviously, Jesus has been so impressive enough to Simon Peter that Simon Peter's now saying, if it was anyone else that asked me, I'd tell them where to go. But you, you've asked me. So because you've asked me, I'm going to do this. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, or Simon's partners in business. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so they pulled up their boats Onto the shore, they left everything and they followed, followed Jesus. Often, you know, whenever I invite um, blokes to church, to come to church, often the, the great Aussie response is this. Mate, if I walked in that building, the roof would fall in. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard that and and it's a, it's a, it's a throwaway line to, um, to try and actually get out from, you know, engaging. And while it's a statement of bravado, of Aussie bravado, it's like, hey man, I'm too, I'm too bad. I'm really too bad to go into a place like that. Um, what, what that statement is actually saying is, um, my stuff, my badness, my sin, my junk, it's bigger than anything that God could do with, which is actually an untruth. It's actually a lie. When we run around thinking that we're really um, too bad or even at the other end of the spectrum, if we think we're really inherently good, the reality of the conversation of our hearts tells us a different story. When we get behind the bravado, when we get behind the, you know, the, um, the excuses, what we find is a conversation going on in our hearts that says, you know what, bottom line is I'm stuffed in here. I'm broken and I need some help 
but I just don't know how to ask for it. And we as Australians are very good at not knowing how to ask for help. We're very good at it. We'd rather go on our way with the conversation of brokenness and guilt for things that maybe we've said to ourselves or to others, to ones that we love the most, and even things that we may have muttered to the stranger in the car that drove past us when they cut us off and we let them know how much we love them. The reality is we're wrestling with shame, we're wrestling with guilt, we think poorly of ourselves a lot of the time and a lot of the time whenever we look at someone else's life and the lot that they have been given and the way that they are living, we often look at it with jealousy and we say things to ourselves like, oh God, I wish I was them and so shortchange ourselves from the opportunity of our own life being full. But we often not, not only think about other people's lives and look at them and we go, you know, I wish I was them. I want their life to be my life. I want, I want that life. Sometimes we, we think even beyond just innocently, you know, articulating that in our heart. Sometimes it becomes a very strong driver in us and we spend many years and a lot of energy on trying to live someone else's life other than the one that we've been given by God and we've been made for, which I think is an absolute tragedy. We even spend a lot of time, well, our whole culture is built around image. We spend our whole time wishing we, was, we had someone else's body. Gee, I wish I looked like them. I wish I was able to, you know, look as good as them. We spend so much time, we are fundamentally broken. And we're broken and yet somehow we want God but at the same time we're happy to keep God at arm's length. Now look at what happened to Simon Peter when he met Jesus and he actually put his arm down and let Jesus invade his life because that's what Jesus did. He hopped into Peter's life. He stepped into Peter's boat. He stepped into the reality of life for Peter. Have a look at what happened for, um, for Peter. Firstly, it brought a revelation of, to Peter of his heart. When Pete, Simon Peter saw all that had taken place, he fell to his knees. Now, you've got to imagine, this is a Middle Eastern, fit, strong fisherman who works hard hours, works labour, understands sweat, understands um, running a business. He's no slouch. He's, he, and yet, somehow with meeting with Jesus, he's able to humble himself. He fell at Jesus' knees. He humbled himself. I think Jesus is busy stepping into people's boats all the time. All the time. I think he's stepping into all of your boat all the time. And he's wanting to bring his kingdom, his good rule and reign as a master to your boat, to your life and your circumstances. But for humbling ourselves, perhaps we miss that invitation from Jesus. Humility is this opportunity and an invitation in the presence of Jesus to actually see ourselves clearly. You know, it's interesting because on the one hand, we don't want anyone to know our stuff and yet on the other hand we're just desperate that we could find somewhere and someone that we could really be our true self with and know that we won't be rejected. 
And that's what Peter did with Jesus. He risked being rejected. He actually humbled himself. He let him, his true self. He didn't put on any more, oh, if you step into my boat, the boat will sink or the roof will cave in. No, he humbled himself. He, he was given an opportunity to see himself clearly and he was given himself an opportunity to see Jesus clearly, very clearly. So much so that he confessed his own view of himself. Lord, go away from me. He had a sense of, I'm just really unworthy to be in your presence. And yet at the same time, he had a view of who Jesus is as master and Lord. Now, how many, how many carpenters, how many carpenters are world's best fishermen? It makes no sense, does it? Does it? Jesus' trade is he is a carpenter. He grew up as a carpenter working with wood, building and manufacturing. And now he comes as the carpenter and steps into a fisherman's world and says, hey, let me teach you a few things on how to fish. And, but, and Peter humbled himself. He let the carpenter teach the fisherman how to fish. How many times has Jesus stepped into our life, our circumstances, about how we do relationships, about how we do marriage, about how we teach um, our children the values of, of, of the kingdom of God, of how to pray for this? How many times has Jesus stepped into the way we use our resources, our, 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 our thinking, our leisure time, and he stepped in there and said, hey, would you like to do it this way with me? I know I'm a carpenter and I'm not a share trader or I'm not a doctor or I'm not a high school drama teacher or I'm not a real estate agent or I'm not a full-time musician and I'm not a full-time carer for my parents. I'm not, that's not who I am. I am Jesus the carpenter stepping into your world. And I'm saying, would you do it this way with me? Will we humble ourselves and welcome him to show us a new way of living? Because this is what Jesus offers us. An encounter with him is a revelation of the true condition of our heart. I, I thank God that he broke into my life. I'm so thankful because it about... 19 years of age, I was a ball of anger and ready to just like not have anyone in my life other than for my own gain. And I would use them. But I thank Jesus that he stepped into my boat so that I was given the opportunity to see myself as I really was, racked with guilt, racked with shame, just built all sorts of... Um, addictive behaviours going on in my life and using of people. And he said, let me, the carpenter, show you, Kirk, another way. I'm so thankful that he did. One of the, because one of the things that that revelation moment brought to me was it showed me his mercy and grace and that Jesus is not afraid of my sin. Jesus is not afraid of my addictions. Jesus was not afraid of my worldview. King David was, um, he said this really well in Psalm 51 when he got into the presence of God after making a meal on a few things, of a few things. He said, have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out all my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, all my, my sin, my selfishness, my, the sin I've, I've, I've put onto other people and made them pay for. Wash it all away and clean me from this sin and create something, create a pure heart in me, God, and make my spirit right within me. Perhaps the greatest moment when I, when I met Jesus was an encounter of mercy and forgiveness. It's one that I will never forget 
because it still burns in me even now. Some 27 years later, 28 years later, still it burns in me now. I can clearly remember it when I sat down with a bunch of people in a church not far from here and said, yes, Jesus, you've stepped into my boat. Now, please, I see myself clearly. Wash it all away. Make me new. Do something with me, please. And he did. As I sat with those people and then they prayed their best prayers and I just howled and blubbered and screamed, as the power of love just invaded me, reached into my chest. I can still see it clearly in front of me as Jesus stood in front of me and he reached into my chest and opened up my chest, at which point I hit the floor and screamed and howled. (laughs) I'm sure these people are like, what's going on here, you know? (laughs) But anyway, hit the floor screaming and howling But Jesus reached into my chest and ripped my heart out. And it was so, I could see it in front of me. It was black. It was angry. It was just filled with junk. And then he he turned on this fire hose of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know where the hose came from, but all I could see was this hose. And it hit my heart. So much so, you know, when, if you've ever used a high-pressure water gun and you're doing the driveway and you accidentally catch the edge of your foot (laughs) with the high-pressure water gun, it's, yo, that hurts. But he did that. He, He washed my heart clean like he did with David's, King David's, according to his unfailing love, according to his mercy and grace. He washed away all my iniquities. And then when my heart was clean, because Jesus isn't afraid of our junk. Jesus isn't afraid of our addictions. Jesus isn't afraid of our guilt. Jesus is not afraid. He is loving. And that's why he steps into our life and steps into our boat and reaches into our heart to create in us a new heart. And this fleshy, clean heart that he had in front of him, he then placed it back into my, my chest cavity here and closed up my ribs. And, and then the last bit of that experience was... Now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, like, all these really weird images, I know, but this was my spiritual encounter with Jesus stepping into my boat. This happened to me. And, and I saw him reach into a, um, like a blacksmith's fire pit where the blacksmith sort of has the, um, the coals going the whole time and he took out a, an old welding rod. An old welding rod has a big chunk of um, um, lead on the end of it and it's all heated up and he just sealed my heart back into my chest. It was, a, it was the most fantastic experience of my life to know that I was clean. And I could be real with myself, I could be real with God, and I could be real with the people I was living with. And I thank God for that. And I pray that every single one of you and every single one of the people living in the Moreton Bay region will have a Jesus stepping into their boat moment. Now, it won't be like mine, but it will be the carpenter will come knocking. And he will step into your boat and he'll say, how about we live it this way, differently? This is what happened for Peter that day. The mercy of God came over his heart. The mercy of God came over his life. The mercy of God came over how Peter understood himself. The mercy of God enabled Peter to actually see Jesus for who he really is. And Peter was made right with God and with himself and the people around himself. And so today, right here today, God is inviting many of us as he's stepping into the boat to push off from the shore a little and inviting us into an experience of seeing clearly his mercy and his grace. Jesus is not afraid of our sin. 
He brings new life to our heart by removing our sin. The last thing I want to mention to you this morning is this, that to have an encounter, a revelation with Jesus is to have a life that is changed and transformed. That's just what love does. Love changes you. I've got to say that before Jesus stepped into my boat, like my flesh was re- had a big appetite. My flesh had a big appetite for everything that was like it seemed good, it felt good, it tasted good at the time, but left me feeling alone, abandoned, and with lots and lots of headaches and no money left in my wallet. And usually waking up alone wondering, where the heck did my mates go? When Jesus stepped into my boat, he rewired my flesh. Being in a relationship with Jesus is not just about getting into heaven. Heaven will be here soon enough. But between now and then, there's a life to be lived. And Jesus, Jesus wants to step into our boat, our flesh, our body, and bring life to it so that we're not addicted to the things that our flesh wants. You know, Nicole and I, we've had the incredible privilege to sit with people and see Jesus completely rebuild the hunger of their flesh so that it is hungry for him and life and not for the, 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 the base things, the carnal things, the things that the world says, yeah, just pursue that, pursue that, pursue that. One of the wonderful realities is that when you meet Jesus, you will be changed. You will be transformed. When Nick and I decided to follow Jesus' call on our life and leave the church that we were pastoring in the mid-90s up in North Queensland, Jesus had stepped into our boat and it invited us onto an adventure. We sold our two cars. We packed the little bit of belongings that we had, sent it back to Brisbane, shoved it into some storage. And then we followed Jesus. We went overseas. We spent time with the Vineyard Movement overseas. We spent time uh, visiting a number of churches. But we followed Jesus and we came back home to Brisbane, Australia, and we ended up joining this place called Vineyard Pine Rivers. And then we, over a number of years, then became the, the senior pastors of Vineyard Pine Rivers. And blow me down, Jesus jumped into our boat again. Now he's saying, come on, I want you to follow me and I want you to serve now a whole movement of churches. I want you to lead, be a servant leader to a whole movement of churches. I'm like, do you know what you're doing? Do you really know what you're doing, Jesus? I often, you know, and I, I have very honest conversation with him. I often try and remind him of who I think he is. <laughs> hey, you know you're a carpenter. <laughs> I speak very honestly with him. And he welcomes that. Because what I'm doing in that honesty, in the transaction of that, is I'm inviting him to be honestly who he is with me. And he continues to lead Nicole and I into these experiences where he wants to be the master and the Lord. To step into his invitations. But to do that, (laughs) Jesus is so good. He steps into your world, steps into your boat, tells you to push offshore for a little bit so you can't get near the edges anymore. 
Then he gives you a complete revelation of who he is and invades your life and completely works you over and gives you a new, whole new life and heart. And then, and then he takes you back to shore. And what does the scriptures say that happened for Simon Peter and the guys? It says they pulled their boats up to the shore. They got out of their boats. They left them and they went with Jesus. Sorry? I don't know. I don't know what happened to all the fish. I imagine someone got a good feed. <laughs> I imagine, well, I imagine Zebedee, actually, it went to Zebedee, the father, the father of the, the family business. I think it would have gone to him as a last payment to say, hey, Dad, all the best is the fish, we're out of here. But, but such was the call of Jesus on their life. And then he says, Leave the boat, leave everything that you're familiar with, leave the vehicle of life that you've been in and come and follow me. I've got a great adventure for you to, to walk with me. Now these guys, if you read their story, oh my goodness, if you read their story through the, through the book of, of the Acts of the Apostle in the early church, if you read their story, these, these men and the, and the women of God as well in all of that. There was loads of women disciples as well and, of, and, and, um, and even female, I would say, go as far as saying apostolic female leaders for those of who, who want to have a buzzword. There's one. I, I, at the end of, at the, end of um, the book Acts, um, uh, trying to think of a name, Junius, I think it is, Junius. She was a leader of leaders in the kingdom of God. At the end of the book of Acts. So women, you're in this too. But these men and women followed Jesus all over the then world in seeing their world turned upside down and inside out. The point I'm trying to make to you this morning is, is, a, is a simple one. Jesus wants you to have a full life. But at some point, you have to get very real with who you are and you have to get very real with who he is even as he's trying to make himself known to you Paul said it like this here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance well actually I'm going to shoot it back a little more here and give you this one let me read it from 1 Timothy 1 he says I thank Christ Jesus my Lord now this is Paul speaking for those of you who don't, may not know Paul, I'm going to finish on this note. Paul was a um, terrific leader in the Jewish world at the time of Jesus. Brilliant man, brilliant thinker, incredibly zealous for the things of God. And so much so that when Jesus turns up on the scene and then there's all these people giving their life over to Jesus, Paul took it on as his, per well, at this stage, his name is actually Saul. He took it on as his personal mission to persecute and kill all of the Christians because they were now following this crazy Jesus guy. So Paul's murdering Christians, running around murdering Christians, God knocks him off a horse, literally. It's in the book of Acts, you can read about this gets knocked off his horse and meets Jesus. So powerful a moment was that for Paul, Saul, his life is completely turned around and reorientated towards Jesus being Lord and Master. And now he is the most amazing defender of the Christian, the Christian world. Can you, can you imagine that? I'm trying to put it in terms that we can understand here. But this guy was killing Jesus' people. It was his personal mission to make sure they were stoned. There's, a, there's an account there in, in the book of Acts of how Stephen was stoned, one of the followers of Jesus. And it says Saul was there giving authority and basically blessing to make sure that that guy died because he followed Jesus. Imagine, imagine that guy doing that to now li completely living the, in the opposite direction. He is now putting his own life on the line, defending 
Christians all over the then world. It's a, it's a, it's a miracle of God that God can do that to a person, can turn them, turn them around. And he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice how he uses that word, our, our Lord. Paul always talks in the collective. Our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. And he goes, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I was acting in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. And what does he boil it down to? He goes, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says of himself, of whom I'm the worst. Now, I'm sure we've all claimed that tag as well at some point. Oh, I'm the worst. No one worse than me, God. Well, actually, we're all the worst. (laughs) But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. That, that is such an amazing piece of um, confession that, um, that Paul makes there. Now, I want to leave you with this. If God... If Jesus can step into a boat like he did with Peter and turn his life around and, 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 and Peter can come into a place of revelation of who he really is and who God really is, so much so that his life gets turned around and he's now living for Jesus, same with, same with Paul. If something like that could happen for a guy like Paul, surely... Surely our bottom line expectation, surely, surely our bottom line expectation is that that could happen for every single person we know. Surely. That's our bottom line expectation. Because Paul says this, here is a trustworthy saying. A trustworthy saying, not a fable, not a story of Disney, not an epic, not a myth, a trustworthy saying. Or in other words, a statement that bears true under scrutiny of reality of people. That bears true under scrutiny. It holds true. He says that it deserves full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. Now, if it holds true, if it holds true, if it is trustworthy, then Paul is saying it deserves full acceptance. In other words, don't you you can't you can't stuff around with this with like a half-hearted attitude. It deserves full acceptance. Mentally, you know what? I'm going to bring bring my best cognitive approach to this and work this through. It demands all of my mind. It demands all of my flesh. If this if this is true and if this holds true, then my addictions, my issues, my self-hatred, my self-condemnation, my, my lust for other people's lives and, and, and their, their circumstances and wishing I was somebody else, if this is true, then all of that is in play. Mentally, physically, if this is true, 
then, then my emotional well-being and my emotional intelligence is on the table here. If this is true and this holds true, then it deserves every bit of my financial life. Not, not just the, the bit that I kind of go, yeah, there's a bit, God. <laughs> my whole life, my whole financial circumstances in life. If this is true, if this holds true, then surely it deserves full acceptance. Otherwise, we're still saying to God, really, God, if I came near you, the roof would fall in. We're still playing with him and we're still not being honest with ourselves. But Paul, whose life was completely turned around, he says, this is trustworthy. And let me tell you, the stories of God and the people in this room right now bear true this is, tr- this is a trustworthy saying. The stories of Jesus that are in this room, of him stepping into our boats, bears true. It bears up under the scrutiny of reality and life that this is not a fable, that this is not a myth, that people have been set free from all forms of bondage and addictions and, and just mentally, emotionally, and physically, the kingdom of God bears true in Jesus. It's in our story. It's in your story. And it's that story in this season that's demanding and deserving full, full, full acceptance. Full acceptance. Full acceptance. If this is true, then to accept it as true, it's not simply just to acknowledge it somehow and leave it over there, but it is to live with the weight of our whole life dependent upon this trustworthy Jesus. With Jesus, there is mercy. Paul's life tells us that. Peter's life tells us that. My story and your story tells us that God loves all People And with Jesus, there is mercy. There is forgiveness of sin. There is an invitation to live a life where Jesus said to the disciples, once the boat came into the shore, he said to them, now don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because when we want to give full acceptance to this trustworthy reality of Jesus, the first thing we do is we start to get a little bit nervous and a little bit anxious. But hear the words of Jesus don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, I'm going to teach you how to catch people or how to live the life of the kingdom of God now and into the age to come. And so they pulled up their boats onto the shore. They left everything and followed him. Or as Paul's, using Paul's language, he says it like this in Romans 6. He says, count yourself now, now that Jesus has stepped into your boat, (laughs) now that you've seen him for who he is, now that you've seen yourself for who you are, now that you've received his mercy, count yourself dead to that sin. Just count count yourself dead to that. And now consider yourself alive to God in Jesus. Alive. You're meant to be living alive. You're meant to be living. We're meant to be living alive. Let's stand and pray. I just invite you to close your eyes. We already did this during the worship time. I feel like that was like, when, when Roxanne invited us to close our eyes and picture Jesus right there in front of us, I'm, just, I'm going to ask you to go back to that moment and just pick up right there. Just close your eyes and invite Jesus to come and make himself known to you. Come, Lord Jesus. For everyone in this room, come, Lord Jesus. Would you come and just stand right in front of us? I pray in your name, Lord Jesus, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened right now.
to see you, to know you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Jesus, that you would graciously and mercifully step, just step into our life right now. Step into our life. And we just, we, we just choose to humble ourselves. We just choose to humble ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, would you <clears throat> would you come and would you wash away all of my sin, all of my iniquities, all of my addictions, my jealousies, Just come, Lord. Wash it all away in your mercy and replace all that guilt and shame with life, with life, with you, Jesus, with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is ministering very deeply to a number of you. For some of you in the room right now, Jesus is opening up his arms to you and he's inviting you, please, I'm here, give me all your tears and sadness. Give me all your years of pain and enter into life in my name. He wants to be true for you today. I just pray for the grace of God on your ears right now because I'm going to sing. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you And His Spirit like a dove Will descend upon your life and make you whole I don't know the rest of the words, I've got to Come Holy Spirit Just come Holy Spirit Give him all your tears and pain and you'll enter into life in Jesus' name. Jesus, oh Jesus, come and fill your lambs Jesus oh Jesus come and fill your lambs thank you Jesus that you love us thank you that you're in this moment right now with us Thank you that you are in exchange for our sin, washing us clean and giving us a whole new life to live. 
I pray that now in the name of Jesus, that the power of the Spirit would come upon that decision right now and that your flesh, your mind, your spirit would just be infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that Jesus is inviting you into. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And this morning, um, as an act of, um, <clears throat> like, I guess, I guess in front of God and with each other, what I feel like we've got to do right now, as an act of saying, I, this is a trustworthy thing that's happening right here and it's worthy of full acceptance. Jesus is trustworthy and fully worthy of full acceptance, not stuffing around with him, but full acceptance. I'm going to invite you to bring your boat. And I'm going to invite you to bring your boat, your life, and I'm going to invite you to leave it here, like here, up the front. Bring your boat, leave it up the front, and I'm going to pray a blessing on you, and then you're going to get to walk away from here following Jesus, following Jesus. All right, so if you've got a boat that needs to be parked, if he stepped in there this morning and <laughs> this is true and this is worthy of full acceptance for you this morning, just come on up here and bring, bring your boat, bring your life, park it up here and I'm going to pray over you as we do. Where did Bruce go? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Thanks, man. Just, just park it up here. Come on up. Come on up. Hey, Jesus, you are true and worthy of full acceptance. You're worthy of full acceptance. I love you, Jesus. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, God. Jesus, I thank you that your people, your love is so true. Your love is so true and powerful that look at all these people, Lord, that they would put their life in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. And so I just invite you now, Holy Spirit, just for every person that's at the front this morning, that you would just help them just to leave the boat here this morning and follow you, Jesus. Just to leave the boat and follow you, Jesus. Just into this great adventure of kingdom life, following Jesus as Lord and Master. Thank you, God.